turn in our hymn books, and you'll need to use your hymn book for this, to number 726. And we're going to uh, use uh, the words of 726 as our prayer uh, before the message today. So please take a hymn book, turn to 726, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Uh, Jan, I'll ask you to play this through for us once, please. Then we'll all, I mean, you will all remain seated and we'll sing it through once. I would like to talk to you this morning about a man who lived almost 3,000 years ago. This particular man was a king, the 10th king on the throne of Judah after Solomon. And of course, from our scripture reading, you know that the man to whom I am referring is Isaiah. Perhaps you have never heard of King Uzziah. You maybe have heard of the Uzzi, the famous machine gun made in Israel, but you have never heard of King Uzziah. I want to talk to you about this particular Old Testament personality today because as Romans 15 verse 4 puts it, everything that was written in the past in the scriptures was written to teach us. Isaiah can teach us. Isaiah is meant to teach us for our progress in our relationships with the Lord Jesus. In looking at King Isaiah today, we will have three parts to our sermon on him. And part number one is this, his beginning. What does the Bible tell us about the beginning of Isaiah's life? 
I think the word many who are familiar with him and his life, I think the word many of them would use is successful. The beginning of Isaiah's life was one of great success. Isaiah became king of Judah when he was just 16 years of age. And he reigned over Judah in Jerusalem 52 years. That is longer than any other king of Judah except one. 52 years. Second Chronicles 26 tells us that Isaiah the king defeated major enemy cities. He defeated some long-time enemies of his people. Enemies who had been thorns in the side of Israel and Judah for generations. Second Chronicles 26 also informs us that Uzziah was a man of building projects. He oversaw some huge construction projects in the capital city. And he built fortresses outside of Jerusalem to protect his vast holdings of livestock. He further undertook vast agricultural projects to feed his people so that the nation of Judah became self-sufficient. Isaiah reorganized Judah's military to make it more effective. By the time he was finished, he he had a powerful, efficient fighting force equipped for that time with the most advanced weapons and state-of-the-art technology. No other king of Israel or Judah, with the exception of Solomon, accomplished so much. In fact, it may be said about him that he accomplished enough for two or three lifetimes in his one lifetime. And Isaiah evidently wanted to follow the Lord God in his life. We read in verses 4 and 5 of 2 Chronicles 26, and I invite you to have uh, a Bible open to 2 Chronicles 26, for we will look a number of times at some of the verses in that chapter. But we read in verses 4 and 5 of 2 Chronicles 26, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. Who instructed him in the fear of God. Accomplishments, power, fame, wealth, the fear of God. Isaiah came out of the blocks of life. Highly successful. The end of verse 5 reads, As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And the end of verse 15 says, 
his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped, greatly helped graciously by God until he became powerful. Do do you remember students in your uh, high school or college who seemed to have limitless potential? They were great athletes or outstanding leaders or gifted speakers. They always made good grades. They were the ones who who stood out and were referred to. In the yearbook, they were listed as most likely to succeed. You'd look at them and say, wow, does that person have potential? That was Isaiah. He started off on the right foot and he kept up the pace. But that is not everything that we find in the Word of God about Isaiah. There is more. And so, part two now is his fall. Unfortunately, that's right. Sadly, part two, as we look At 2 Chronicles chapter 26, part 2 is Isaiah's fall. Look with me at the end of verse 15, and then just the first word of verse 16. The end of verse 15, and then the first word of verse 16. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But, that's how the NIV has it. But. The word but can be a very significant word. In fact, I've heard from uh, R.C. Sproul that uh, he, would, uh, he would use that word but in his teaching of the Bible. He, he, used, he would use it to the point where someone who was present in reference to his teaching and preaching uh, went home and, and did like a needlepoint or a cross stitch of, of the word but and framed it and took it to him and gave it to him. And he has it hanging up in his house. But it can mean that something is going to change. It can mean that something is going to be different. For many of us, that word but had a good meaning at a particular point in our lives. We were on our way to hell, living for ourselves with no thought for God. But, however, then the Lord Jesus came to us. He gave us a new heart. He gave us the ability to repent and believe. He took away our sins. He made us children of God. He gave us a new purpose, a new lease on life, a new destination. That was a great but 
in reference to our lives. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The best, however, there ever was. But not all howevers are good. And Isaiah's wasn't. Notice the rest of the first sentence of verse 16. But after Isaiah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Verse 4. Isaiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 5, he sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. Verse 15, his fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Verse 16, but. But something happened. But something changed. But Isaiah turned in another direction. But he became proud. And Isaiah fell. Part one, Isaiah was a man of achievement, of fame, of power. We think of following God. He was a man of history-making success. Part two, however, he went on to choose to remove himself from God's protection and care. He went on to become full of himself. He went on to become proud. And he crashed. The Bible also tells us of Isaiah's fall through pride. You know something? Verse 16 is so Sobering. I mean, here is a man who had everything in the world going for him. But then we read in that verse, he threw it all out the window because of pride. We need to ask this question. Are we proud people? Are we full of pride? Listen to these words of C.S. Lewis on pride. The essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Why are you spending time talking about pride? Here it is. The complete anti-God state of mind. You know I appreciate Warren Wearsby so much. 
Here's something that Warren Wiersbe has said about pride. Pride opens the door to every other sin. For once we are more concerned with our reputation than our character, there is no end to the things we will do. Do we have a number of us sitting here this morning who are more concerned with our reputation, with looking good, with what others think about us than we are with our character. There is no end to the things we will do against God with that attitude. Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a great English Bible preacher and teacher. In a biography written about him, it was told that every day of his life, he would pray the same prayer. Now, it wouldn't just be this prayer, but it would be this prayer every day. And here it is. Lord, keep me from pride. Every day, Lord, Keep me from pride. Dwight L. Moody once said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Listen to these verses in our text about Isaiah, his pride, and his downfall. I'm going to read verses 16 through 19. And then go over to verse 21. Again, the person, his pride, and his fall. But after Uzziah became powerful, verse 16, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful. And you will not be honored by the Lord God. Isaiah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Verse 21, King Isaiah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. Isaiah became so proud that he thought he would do something that he was not allowed to do, that God, that God himself forbade him to do, that God himself told him no. 
God's law strictly prohibited anyone to burn incense at the altar except one of the priests. But Isaiah would do this. He had done so much else, he would do this as well. And because of pride, we read that he was struck with the loathsome disease of leprosy for the rest of his life. He lived in quarantine for the remainder of his life, meaning he was cut off from everyone, family, cut off from family, from everyone and everything. Excluded from the temple of God, from coming and worshiping with the people of God, no more. And, verse 23, he was buried near the kings, but not with the kings. Fellow believers, hear the word of God. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 11, verse 2. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible also tells us of Isaiah's fall because of pride. I was uh, looking at another reference, uh, a reference written for pastors, for ministers. And uh, this, one, uh, 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 this one pastor uh, had been in the pastorate for many years, I gather, and he went on to say to uh, fellow pastors uh, that soul enemy number one is pride. I think that's true of all of us. Soul or heart or life enemy number one is pride. Part three of our sermon today is some symptoms of pride. Are we proud people? Are we headed for shame? Are we headed for a fall in our walks with the Lord Jesus? Let me say this before I get into a couple of symptoms. Pride can be so hard to recognize in our lives. We can be so blinded to pride in our lives. Oh, others will see it. Uh, pride is, someone has said, pride is the only uh, disease that makes uh, everybody else sick except the one who has it. But as hard as it is to recognize it, uh, we do see some symptoms with Uzziah that I'd like to go over now for our last point to help us to 
by God's grace, have our eyes open to see if uh, we are carrying pride in our hearts. A, we see with King Uzziah that he had developed an attitude of arrogance. What is arrogance? Well, the dictionary defines arrogance as being haughty. And haughty is an old French word that means high. We get haughty when we think too highly of ourselves. We become arrogant when we convince ourselves that we are better than others. That we are above others. Or we become arrogant when we convince ourselves that we deserve certain privileges, certain niceties, certain perks. I read about a senior missionary in the Philippines from Steve Farrar's book. A senior missionary in the Philippines who became extremely angry when a more junior missionary inadvertently parked in the older man's parking space at their urban Manila mission headquarters. What I went on to read was this. To this day, the man who accidentally usurped his senior's privilege feels the pain when he remembers the loud, humiliating, dressing down he received that day because of a parking space. Arrogance. You expect, you deserve certain privileges in your life. And if you're not treated a certain way, if someone forgets to acknowledge your part in a situation, in a positive situation, you get bent out of shape. Arrogance is a symptom of pride And pride leads to shame. When you study the surrounding cultures of Uzziah's day, many of the other kings also had the privilege and prerogative of acting as priests. It may be that Uzziah looked around at at these kings and he started to think, why can't I? be a priest and a king like these other kings. Are they better than I? Are they as powerful as I? Are they as wealthy? Are they as famous? Have they accomplished more than I? If anyone deserves to be a priest and a king, it is I. Yet again, that was in direct violation of God's command for him. And he knew it. But he had gotten haughty. He was thinking too highly of himself. And he tried to act as a priest. As I was working on this message, Peter came to mind. Peter to the Lord Jesus. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Why is Peter full of himself? 
Oh, man, is he lifting himself up. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Do we also think, oh, so much of ourselves? Arrogance is a sign of pride, and God opposes the proud. Then a second symptom, we'll call this B, 3B, a second symptom of pride is an aversion to accountability. An aversion to having to give an answer for our actions. Let's go back to the text, verses 17 and 18. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful. You will not be honored by the Lord God. How did Uzziah respond to the priests of the Lord? His response is found in verse 19, and it's tragic. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became enraged. Enraged. Who do you think you are questioning me? Isaiah got to the point where there was no accountability in his life. No one could talk to him and seek to help him. Listen to these words. Every one of us needs the discipline of explaining our actions at various times in our lives. Every one of us needs a godly friend or two who are willing to confront us and say, what are you doing? Why are you heading in that direction? Why are you acting that way? There's danger ahead if you don't turn around. Every one of us needs friends who love us enough to make us explain our actions. That is true. And if we are adverse to that, if we're adverse to accountability, that's a sign that something is wrong. It's a sign that there's pride in our hearts. And I remind us that pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. How can we tell if we have pride in us? Well, from looking at Isaiah, uh, haughtiness, uh, and aversion to accountability. Let me give you the quote by C.S. Lewis again. The essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. My fellow believers, let's ask God to open our eyes and show us our pride.
Let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And let's be prepared that he may use our spouse or our kids or our grandkids or a friend to point our pride out to us. And let's ask God to give us the grace not to be defensive when that happens. Let's ask God to help us to face our pride, to to confess it, to deal with it, to crush it at the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross of Christ for forgiveness and at the cross of Christ for our example in living. In Philippians chapter 2, we read these words. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. At the cross of Christ for forgiveness and at the cross of Christ for our example. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the help that I have received from Steve Farrar in reference to this message. And thank you for being with us now as this message has been proclaimed. Oh, Heavenly Father, please help us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ more and more, who humbled himself and lived a life totally dedicated to you, seeking your honor, seeking your greatness. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us, please, to deal with pride now and in the months and years to come. Please help us with this wicked, wicked sin. In Jesus' name, amen.